Of course, the debate's not on Dave Kinchin tonight itself, although we welcome all of the candidates. They're more than welcome to be here. But we're talking about the first Democratic round of debates this week and talking about it on this show. Welcome to Dave Kinchin tonight. Everybody, we are finally in our element debate season. Uh, we love this, and uh, we can finally say this this contest is really getting started. Everybody's jumping in. This person jumping in. This person raised $6 million in the first week or so. This person jumps in and raises six million or so uh this person jumps in this person waits for a while and and then they jump in for strategic reasons and all of that so we are proud on this podcast uh to be now going into our third round of debates um well i technically second because we started the show back in 2007 uh, we became Kinchin Gonzalez tonight. We were a live show, and we we weighed in on all of the uh, debating going on around um, the two thousand. What was the two thousand and eight presidential election cycle? Followed the primaries, the caucuses, all of that. Um, we uh, took a break from the show in twenty eleven, so just missed twenty twelve. Although we were following it very much uh, in our reporting in Philadelphia, covering the Pennsylvania impact of the election cycle. Same thing with twenty sixteen. We were all over uh, the East Coast, really Pennsylvania and Jersey, covering the um, the election cycle and, and how things were um, uh, were coming along in the Keystone State. It all came down to Michigan, Pennsylvania, and of course, uh, Wisconsin. I mean, it really came down to, to a very, very tight race. As we all know, this one in the very, very early stages could go anywhere, although we do find ourselves uh, the headquarters for this program in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania. We do find ourselves once again situated perfectly for what is going to be an ultimate Keystone State battle. It will come down to Pennsylvania. Um, President Trump has spent some time here. And of course, uh, Vice, former Vice President Biden, his campaign headquarters is in Pennsylvania and uh, he's from Pennsylvania and uh, he's going to be spending a lot of time here too. So uh, we will, th 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 we're setting a, we're setting the biggest table ever. Okay. We're setting the table that you only dine at the massive mess hall of a table that you only dine at every four years. So, <laughs> so there's a lot of setup here. The whole show is going to be set up for all of that. But first, the most important thing as we get into all of it is the debate this week, really two separate debates, two tiers based on uh, where the candidates are in the polling fundraising as well. So we'll go into who's going to be talking to you on NBC News, MSNBC and Telemundo on the first night. And that is Wednesday night. It will feature Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, Cory Booker. The person who, I, that person already has some objections, I guess, <laughs> to either debate format or, I'm just kidding. We're in the busy downtown studio, so there's always something going on uh, here. Um, but we've got uh, Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar. Um, we also have former HUD Secretary Julian Castro, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, Ohio Representative Tim Ryan, and former Maryland uh, Representative John Delaney, among others uh, in there. That is on Wednesday. And then on the second night, Vice President Biden will take the stage. Uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, California Senator Kamala Harris, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, Mayor Pete, they call him, and, and he's been in some 
trouble lately in South Bend. We'll talk about what's going on there and a, a fiery meeting, town hall meeting that he had there as well. Um, New York Senator uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, also Colorado Senator Michael uh, Bennett, uh, former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, California Representative Eric Swalwell, and uh, entrepreneur Andrew Yang and self-help author Marianne Williamson uh, as well. So there were other candidates um, who did not, uh, a bunch of candidates you probably never even heard of, or at least as of yet, who haven't met the uh, criteria and won't be appearing on the stage uh, just yet. So anyway, um, those are the candidates. And what we're going to do on the show today is we'll be following some of the um, some of the likely discussions, some of the likely debates that'll be coming up through um, this cycle, you know, uh, some of the issues. Um, and when I say issues, I mean breakout moments between this candidate and that candidate, where people may go at it, where they may argue um, with each other, and uh, and where that might go. So we'll follow all of that there. Now we we do know that. Uh, The most obvious thing in all of this is the candidates who have not received, uh, I mean, since Joe Biden jumped into the race, he has dominated the headlines. He went back and forth with Senator Cory Booker um, about um, working with segregationists back in the day. And, uh, you know, so that's been an issue. Um, Some of the candidates that will be on the stage with Biden will likely bring that up along with other matters as they try to elevate their own standing. So this will be a big night to see how uh, the Democrats really go after uh, the former vice president and uh, and handle things from that standpoint. We can, um, let me just get one back to one file here. Um, looking at my computer and sometimes you have, you know, you know how you can have too many windows open sometimes? Um, you can have too many things open, and they say, wait, I got to get right back to where where I was. Okay, so um, we're going to just do a quick walkthrough um, of uh, some of the, the matters that are going to pop up and, uh, you know, see what will, what will likely, likely uh, transpire. So one of the things that I think you're going to hear more on is uh, Bernie Sanders and his way of uh, dealing with... Um, the very large numbers of student loan debt. Uh, that's something that's going to be popping up big time. Uh, Bernie Sanders has a plan actually out there on that. And this was uh, this made the rounds over the last couple of days. He says, uh, Forbes magazine, uh, the headline, uh, Bernie Sanders, I will cancel all 1.6 of your 1.6 trillion of your student loan debt. Uh, Bernie Sanders will announce a plan today. This was on. Uh, this was actually, uh, this is today. So yeah, he announced a uh, plan to uh, cut the uh, $1.6 trillion of student loan debt. Uh, Sanders is talking about uh, debt loan um, forgiveness uh, legislation uh, that's being called the most ambitious plan yet. Uh, first reported by the Washington Post, Sanders will, his plan will have uh, no eligibility uh, criteria and will be available to the nation's approximately 45 million student loan borrowers of both federal student loans and private loans uh, as well. Now, some people have been saying, uh, you know, well, what about the people who have paid off their debt 
already. So it remains to be seen kind of how this will work. Uh, Sanders will fund his student loan forgiveness plan through a new tax on financial transactions, which he expects could raise more than two trillion over the next over the next ten years. The tax plan will include a 0.5 percent fee on all stock trades, a 0.1 uh, percent fee on all bond trades, and a 0.005 percent. Uh, fee on derivative trades. Um, now, of course, uh, Elizabeth Warren also has uh, put out a plan and has discussed this, and so this will likely come up as well too. Uh, and Forbes is reporting, uh, you know, her legislation introduced earlier this month to cancel student loan debt. Uh, for more than 95% of borrowers and would entirely cancel student loan debt for more than 75% of Americans with student loan uh, and would entirely cancel student loan debt for more than 75% of Americans with student loan debt. Warren believes uh, that her plan will uh, reduce the wealth gap in America and provide an economic stimulus to the middle class to increase home purchases and help start small businesses. Okay, so... um, there's, uh, uh, I'm just looking at some of the figures in, in all of this. Um, While the Sanders plan would uh, cancel more uh, student loan debt than Warren's uh, legislative proposal, Warren's plan would cancel $50,000 in student loan debt from every person with a household income under $100,000, provide substantial debt cancellation for every person with household income between $100,000 and $250,000, not taxed as income student loan debt that has been canceled, also make private student loan debt eligible for cancellation. So uh, millennials are especially really focused in on all of this. So you're going to hear those plans uh, between, you know, throughout these debates, you'll hear those plans and uh, likely some back and forth between the candidates as they try to chip away at those plans and say, okay, well, how do you pay for this? How do you pay for that? Um, I'm sure that the questioning will be focused on that as well. Um, And there's been some interesting analysis that's been out there. Um, Time Magazine has uh, a possible breakout moment, perhaps uh, a clash between Warren and O'Rourke. Time Magazine says Warren and O'Rourke are both high-profile candidates who have stumbled. O'Rourke entered the 2020 campaign with name recognition after, of course, losing to Ted Cruz uh, in Ted Cruz's Senate re-election bid. Uh, Warren's campaign kickoff got to a got off to a bad start when she was criticized for taking a DNA test to attempt to prove Native American ancestry. Um, uh, so she she has recovered a bit in the polls, um, so there could be uh, a clash there. Um, one thing, uh, you know, one thing that's also interesting is, is where um, Amy Klobuchar will come in in terms of uh, allegations that she's been very hard on her staff, that she was very difficult to work with. Uh, so that's one, uh, you know, will her colleagues, including fellow senators, uh, go after her or fellow members of Congress go after her over that? I mean, that's been one of the big things is as she's tried to break out from her, um, you know, maybe Midwest popularity to appeal more broadly around the country, you know, is, that's, that's been the biggest thing that's, that's worked, some would say, against her in the press is people, is the staff uh, that she worked for, former staffers, talking about um, her being tough to work for. So we'll see how that all plays out. I think uh, relatively nationally, she, she does not have as high of a profile. So you're going to see 
this is really an opportunity for candidates to try to raise up their levels and uh, the folks who are at the bottom polling wise and we'll see how they do that. So a lot of stories will come out of this debate, but even though they won't be on stage the same night, I'm looking to see, and I think we all are looking to see how Biden and Booker go at each other and or how they address uh, what's been one of the biggest headlines, if not the biggest headline of recent days in the Democratic contest, and that is Joe Biden's comments about working with segregationist senators in the past. Now, the latest reporting on this comes from the New York Post, um, and we've, we're following all sorts of reporting on this, but in this particular uh, story, uh, Senator Cory Booker acknowledged that he and Joe Biden had a constructive conversation, but said his fellow Democratic presidential hopefuls use of the racially pejorative term boy in describing his ability to work with segregationist senators in the past was hurtful to the African-American community. This is about him invoking a terrible power dynamic that he showed a lack of understanding or insensitivity to by invoking this idea that he was called son by white segregationists who, yeah, they see, they see in him their son. Uh, that's what Booker told ABCs this week. Um, Booker said he and Biden, who has a, quote, tremendous amount of respect for respect and appreciation for, had a private conversation last Wednesday night, but he felt he had a responsibility to, quote, be candid with him to speak truth to power. That's why, again, I felt it really important, especially with our friends, not to just sweep things under the rug, but to be candid and straightforward with each other. The two 2020 candidates sparred during the past week over comments that Biden made last Tuesday at a Manhattan fundraiser when he recalled a time of civility in the Senate back in the 70s and how he could work with James Eastland, who supported segregation. Uh, he said, quote, this is Biden. I was in a caucus with James O. Eastland, Biden said, referring to the white supremacist from Mississippi. He never called me boy. He always called me son. So that's the remark there. Reminded that Biden claimed those comments were taken out of context. Booker said he didn't buy that and, quote, has heard from many African-Americans who found the comments hurtful. Okay, so there's that. Now we have some sound on all of this. Uh, we have some sound from from Biden talking about these comments. Uh, this is from MSNBC, although everybody was pretty much there. This was uh, apparently either during a campaign stop or a, a, there was a stop along the campaign trail where Biden was asked about these comments and whether he would apologize. Listen to what Joe Biden said. I could not have disagreed with Jim Eastland more. And the he was a segregationist. I ran for the United States Senate because I disagreed with the views of the segregationists. There were many of them in the Senate at the time. What I was talking about was the Voting Rights Act. I was able to pass the Voting Rights Act while, when I was a young senator, when he was still the chairman, we voted against him and beat him in the Voting Rights Act. The point I'm making is you don't have to agree. You don't have to like the people in terms of their views, but you just simply make the case and you beat them. All right, so New Jersey Senator Cory Booker then went on CNN and spoke with Don Lemon about this. Listen to that. Don Lemon starts with a question. Are you going to apologize? Uh, you know, the vice president said I should know better, and this is what I know. As a black man in America, I know the deeply harmful and hurtful uh, usage of the word boy and how it was used to dehumanize and degrade. 
Um, I know that segregationists like the two people you were talking about through their laws and their language uh, deeply wounded this nation and the present day manifestations of their work can still be seen in black and brown communities like the one I go home to. Uh, I know that some running for president of the United States, somebody running to be the leader of our party should know that using the word boy in the way he did uh, can cause hurt and pain. And we need a presidential nominee and the leader of our party to be sensitive to that. And the last thing I know is, is <laughs> I know that I was raised to speak truth to power and that I sh will never apologize for doing that. And Vice President Biden shouldn't need this lesson. So that's where things are now until the debates come up. I'm sure this issue will certainly be raised at the debates. I mean, there's no question about that, one would think. The question is, how does it come up? Who brings it up? For the time being, the two had a phone call talking about it before uh, working South Carolina voters down there, um, because that, of course, is one of the early primaries. So for now, things have moved on. But again, we're this debate. It all comes out, and it usually does. That's just how debates work. Reorganize your department by Friday of next week. And based on data, get the racists off the streets. It's disrespectful that I wake up every day scared. It's disrespectful that I have three boys that I have to teach today what to do. Get them off the streets. If anyone who is on patrol is shown to be a racist or to do something racist in a way that is substantiated, that is their last day on the street. All right, so that's some time video clip there from Mayor Pete's South Bend Town Hall. They call him Mayor Pete there. And this was a very tense, heated town hall over race relations there after um, a series of events that have happened, one very recent, which we'll tell you all about. Um, and it required him to leave the campaign trail, essentially, and go straight back to his town, uh, South Bend, and deal with all of this. Um, the mayor was facing some issues on Sunday um, and direct questions and a lot of anger from African-American residents of the community in a, a very, it looked like standing room only in that town hall, just from the video I've seen. Of course, I wasn't there. Um, but this was all in response to uh, the deadly shooting of a black man named Eric J. Logan. It's the latest situation that's that's happened there. Uh, this was a police shooting. So police uh, shooting death of uh, Eric J. Logan, a 54-year-old African-American man. Now, uh, this comes on top of uh, some bubbling up concerns about race relations there after uh, the first black police chief was uh, fired um, by, uh, was fired over uh, some issues dealing with housing and uh, economic matters. Um, that's how the New York Times has it. Um, they've been following this uh, for some time now, um, which ha it hasn't really, that part of it did not really gain a lot of national attention yet. It was, there were articles here, articles there, at least from what I can tell. And then there were reports that the number of black officers dwindled significantly 
in South Bend following the firing of the first African-American police chief there. And so all of this started bubbling up into the national conversation, of course, especially as Mayor Pete's political numbers started rising a bit more. And so you heard uh, some of that town hall and uh, really him saying that he also takes responsibility for um, the failure of the body camera program to work and the failure to to better handle issues of race there. That's another thing. You, uh, you did not hear that in the audio, but that's also something else he said. Uh, so we will see how that comes up in the debate as well, how he addresses that on a national stage. Certainly the journalists who are uh, going to be moderating will ask him, I would think, would ask him about that as well, because that's been an interesting topic. And in the news as of late, just, excuse me, just this past weekend, race steadily becoming one of the major focal points in this campaign so far with the South Bend situation, with uh, the controversy that unfolded uh, between Biden and Booker, as we talked about on the program here um, a very short time ago, of course. Um, but now we switch over to, and, and you know, there's going to be other controversies and dynamics that develop throughout uh, the process, and I'm sure there's going to be at least three major controversial head, controversial headlines emerging from this debate, um, perhaps dealing with race, but other issues, because, and probably more, there's so many people involved. So um, we will track those and analyze that and the, and the fallout of it on our next program. But for now, we switch over to the other side of things. President Trump kicking off his reelection campaign in Orlando with Vice President Pence there as well. Now, for a president who has called many in the press the enemy of the people, even prompting reporters like Jim Acosta to write a book about it, um, it must be an interesting process to do these interviews, to do sit-down interviews with ABC and NBC and all these other um, networks out there, um, because that's what the president has to do, any incumbent president has to do around this time when it is the re-election period approaching and... Um, talking about polling, talking about strategy. Um, Iran, which has been in the news, the shooting down of a, of a drone, um, all kinds of things. So what's interesting to me is um, how that unfolds. And, and, and really, you know, ABC had, what was it, 30 hours with uh, President Trump. And they, uh, they sprinkled out their interview, which uh, took place in the White House, took place... Um, uh, around the White House took place uh, in the Beast, of course, took place, uh, you know, video on Air Force One. Uh, they go to Iowa where Trump was campaigning there. Um, he was asked about uh, how he's going to appeal to swing voters. He was asked about, um, you know, at one point, uh, uh, George Stephanopoulos said, uh, you know, that a lot of Trump's, they talked to Trump supporters and they want Trump to, they're rooting for him, most of them, but they want him to cool it on social media, to not be so pithy and hold back a little bit on some of the either attacks or some of the, you know, the, the very strong words. And the, and he said, he, Trump said that essentially he bets that those voters do like that. Um, they probably say they don't, but they do. Um, but he also said that he has a very unfair press that he has to deal with. So it's the way he gets the word. In so many words, it's how he communicates with the public. Um, 
So probably no backing down there on social media and on Twitter, perhaps. Um, but you you got to see um, how the president interacts. President interacts with several different topics while he's governing and campaigning. Um, at one point in the ABC piece saying that he did not believe a lot of the uh, reports about um, polling where uh, Trump is losing in certain areas that were once strongholds. He even talks about a poll where that had him losing in Texas that he refuted. Um, but there's a lot, of, and he talked about more policy matters uh, with uh, Chuck Todd on Meet the Press. That aired this Sunday. There were snippets, of course, throughout uh, the last few days, but um, most of that airing on Sunday. And uh, here's some of that where Trump talks about two things. Um, what do-over he would have if he had a do-over, but also the idea of losing Chuck Todd and President Trump on Meet the Press. You prepared to lose? No, probably not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. You, you, I mean, I, I, it would I mean, you be choke? much better. It would be much better if I said, I, "Yeah." Well, you're, you're. It would be much easier for me to say, "Well, yes." No, I'm probably not too prepared to lose. I don't like losing. I haven't lost very much. You didn't in like my life. the fact that you lost the popular vote. That bothered you, didn't it? Well, I think it was a, uh, I mean, I'll say something that, again, is controversial. There were a lot of uh, votes cast that I don't believe. I look at California. Mr. President. Excuse me. But that's it. Take a look at Judicial Watch. Take a look at their settlement where California admitted to a million votes. They're admitted to a million votes. A million votes of what? Take a look at Judicial Judicial Watch made a settlement. There There was much. About what? There was much illegal voting. But let me tell you about popular vote. Do you have a second? Yes, because you, you were a big fan two, of it. Well, Until I like work. popular vote. Yeah. I think I'd do better with a popular vote. But I didn't campaign for the You're popular right. vote. I... You didn't see me campaigning in California right. or New York. Um, if you could have one do-over as president, what would it be? Well, it would be personnel. Uh, I would it? say if I had one do-over, it would be I would not have appointed Jeff Sessions to be Attorney General. Uh, that would be my one. That's your, that in your mind, that's yeah, your that was the, the Is Bill Barr your Roy Cohn? He should have never. I think he's a very talented, very... But you know what I mean by that? You've always said, no, oh, where's no, my Roy no, Cohn? Look, Is look, he your Roy Cohn? You have to say Roy Cohn, but I had many, many lawyers. I mean, a lot of lawyers. Roy was one of them. He was a tough guy. Yeah. Bill Barr is a... First of all, Is he Bill cut Barr, from the same cloth, you think? Bill Barr is a very... He's equally tough. And that brings us to our favorite part, of course, the numbers game. Ladies and gentlemen, that's right, the polling numbers and where we stand in this contest so far. Uh, President Trump, since we were talking about him, will continue with uh, his side of the campaign for now. And uh, we've got some interesting numbers in terms of how he would stack up against hypothetical uh, nominees. We say hypothetical because at this point it, it could be anybody. Um... And uh, Real Clear Politics does uh, a general average of polling. They also have some of their own numbers. So Rasmussen reports, uh, this is from Friday, June 21st. So uh, just a few days ago, Booker, Cory Booker uh, versus President Trump. It would be uh, plus two for President Trump there, uh, 45 to 43. Several Fox News numbers here. This from Sunday, June 16th. So uh, the latest available here. A few days old, though. If it's Joe Biden versus Trump, then it's uh, Biden plus 10, 49 to 39. And uh, if it's Bernie Sanders, then it's Bernie Sanders plus 9 over Trump, 49 to 40. 
If it's Elizabeth Warren versus President Trump, it's Warren plus two, 43 to 41 there. If it's Kamala Harris over President Kamala Harris versus President Trump, then it's Harris plus one over Trump, 42 to 41. And Mayor Pete versus President Trump. If that's the race, it would be Mayor Pete plus one, 41 to 40 in uh, those very, very early numbers there. Um, the funny thing about polling is that everybody is either for it when it goes their way, they're against it when it doesn't uh, go their way. Uh, some other average numbers here, it does look like, so according to, um, we've got some of the, the polling numbers nationally. Again, these are averages. This is a real clear politics average of several different polls out there. So national Biden at 31.9% uh, Sanders, uh, 15% uh, Warren, 11. 11.9, um, Mayor Pete, 7.1, Kamala Harris, 7.1, uh, Beto O'Rourke, 3.6, uh, Booker, 2.3. So the spread is uh, plus 16.9 for Biden in an average of national polls. Uh, in Iowa, the average shows Biden 5.6 uh, ahead of everybody. So Biden, uh, 25 point. 25 uh, points, uh, Sanders 19.4, Mayor Pete 11.8, Warren 9.8, Harris 7 uh, percentage points here, uh, O'Rourke 4.4, um, Booker 3.4, and in New Hampshire, of course, the all-important uh, New Hampshire, Biden 29.7, uh, Sanders 16.7, Warren 11, uh, Mayor Pete 10.3, Harris 6.3, or work three and Booker um, 2.7. So uh, Cory Booker's at the bottom of the pack so far in this real clear politics average of polls for national Iowa and New Hampshire. So a lot of the candidates towards the bottom really have their work cut out for them ahead of the debate and for the debate. So we will see how it all changes. See if anyone gets a bump, see what happens. That and more on the next edition of our program.